Welcome to another edition of Inside the Economy. I'm Larry House. Thanks for joining me. This time I want to talk about the Fed stimulus plan. They're going to meet again here at the end of October. Very likely lower rates another 25 basis points. What's going on in the globe and how the U.S. dollar, as it continues to get stronger, is having an impact out there. And finally, a little commentary on the age of the U.S. economy's reliance on hydrocarbons is showing more and more evidence of being over. Quick look at the numbers. The ISM survey, Institute of Supply Side Management, which is tracking manufacturing, slipped a little bit more to 47.8. Now, any number above 50 is considered expansion. Any number below 50 is considered contraction. Though it's not really that way, it's more a question of how quickly the numbers are growing or shrinking. But manufacturing is 47.8. Non-manufacturing, 75% of the economy is at 52.6, still in expansion. I don't think that's going to change. What has been going on, there really is no activity in inflation. It is a struggle to keep it up. The uh, PCE number, the annual PCE year over year, is struggling to stay at 1.8. CPI, well, 2.4. I don't think that's going to hold. The estimates for GDP are still coming in at 2. I don't know what the third quarter looks like. We'll get an estimate here in a couple of weeks. Unemployment dropped to 3.5, lowest number in about 50 years. That's fine. I'll talk about that a little bit later. The rest of the rates, if you look at these, they're anticipating a rate cut here at the end of October. I think it's a safe bet the Fed is going to cut. They might not lower here at the end of October than the next meeting. Either way, they're getting close to running out. They're at one and three quarter now. I see them taking Fed funds to one and a half. The U.S. economy is continuing to grow, and I call it above trend. It's more a question of where it ought to be and where its potential is. But it is slowing. It's slowing down to where it ought to be, which is just a hair below 2%. GDP, I think, is headed for about 1.8. We'll probably get there this year. And it's not continuing on its way down. It's going to continue to slow, depending upon where inflation is. That's the number where inflation is right now. Ideally, you'd have inflation at about one5 very likely it'll get there. And GDP about 1.8. That's a nice spot. Just growing above inflation in very small numbers. It's very unlikely that anybody's going to see a recession in 2020. Again, I don't think it's possible to get the numbers to do the arithmetic to get a recession by 2020. So don't count on it. There's no reason 2021 either. I don't care about your political aspirations. The numbers just aren't. The economy is slowing. It should be slowing. A $20 trillion economy ought to be growing about a percentage and a half, 1.5. I think we're going to be there. So Goldilocks, yes. Too much drama in the media. I'm sorry you have to deal with it. U.S. job openings. A lot of discussion about, oh, job openings have dropped. There must be a problem someplace. Well, no. Job openings have dropped because a lot of those jobs have been taken the wage market and the labor market are tightening. People are getting higher wages. 
Yes, the media will spend a lot of time on the increase in minimum wages is important. Well, it isn't. Real wage increases have been doing just fine, staying ahead of inflation, doing well. What's going on in minimum wage doesn't really matter. Fundamentally, this is it. And this is a reminder to some people, the red line up here is the M2 money supply. I know it's kind of academic for some people, but M2 is currency, your checking account, your savings account, and what you have in a money market. It's about $15 trillion. People in the United States have money. They have money in the bank. They have money in their checking account. Your neighbor has money in the bank, money in their checking account. They're not worried. They continue to spend, which is the whole ballgame, 70% of everything in the growth of GDP comes from consumer spending. And consumers are out there spending just the right amount. They're not inflating home prices. In fact, they're adjusting down. They're not building any bubbles in real estate in Vegas or anything. They're just being prudent. Even prudent, when you have $15 trillion to spend, is enough to move this economy along. Down here in the blue is monetary base. That's also a very academic subject. But basically, the monetary base are the reserves that the Fed holds for banks. And they're releasing more and more of their reserves when you hear about the Fed cleaning up their balance sheet. They're releasing more money into the system. It's fine. This system is not headed to trouble. What it has is a lot of money and a lot of liquidity. Industrial output, you know the ISM numbers are down to 47, a little above 47. Well, this is where that comes from. The industrial output in real numbers has basically gone sideways. And the strike at GM is not reflected in these numbers yet, and it will pull it down a little more. Don't buy into the fact that it's indicative of, oh, our industrial output is, is coming down on a long trend towards zero. No, it's not. It's probably going to go back into expansion early next year. But this is what the number looks like. It's really not dramatic. It's more leveling. On a different subject, last week, there's a power grid known as the Southwest Power Pool. It basically goes from North Dakota to Texas. A little strip. It's kind of its own grid. The wind farms in that strip of land last week on one day generated 17,000 megawatts of electricity. 60% of the region's power needs weren't storms, it was just more and more wind mills online. The people that control that grid had to take the price of wholesale power down to zero to get them to stop. Now, utilities generally own their own power generating facilities. Coal plants, gas plants, hydroelectric plants, those are usually owned by the utilities. A lot of these wind farms and most of the solar farms aren't owned by the utilities. They are out there to sell power on a wholesale number to basically whoever will buy it anywhere in the grid. In this case, everybody was putting out electricity and they didn't want it. So they took the price down to zero. Naturally, some people got offline. It was great. You're going to see more and more of this. This is the Midwest, not exactly a hotbed of energy problems. California really meets that bill right now. And the problems with Pacific Gas and Electric, and their somewhat strained 
an unmaintained grid causing some horrific fires and deaths, there's going to be a lot of good that comes out of that. There's a lot of communities and certainly a lot of homeowner associations that are already spreading the word about solar and getting small windmill operations up themselves. California was doing windmill systems in 1980. They are going to do another round and they are going to be predominantly responsible for generating their own power. How much they use the grid? Over the next several years, you can count on using less and less. It's good. Finally, in the international scene, this is basically the ISM numbers from the rest of the world. The UK is on there, though it's not a trading, big trading partner with the US. China, Eurozone, which is a huge trading partner, and Japan, also an important trading partner. The big issues with the Eurozone right now, and they have a number of other problems. The primary growth market for Germany and all their cars was China, and that's coming to a screech and halt. The second market is the United States, and there may be some issues developing. There could be some tariffs on a lot of German cars by the end of the year. We'll wait and see. Either way, the glow off the German exporting market is also fading. The point is they all have to deal with readjustment because the world's number one consumer and the consumer everybody wants, that's the U.S. consumer, is being a little more prudent. There's more manufacturing spreading around the world, and trading partners known as other are becoming a bigger and bigger piece of the pie. Right now, the Eurozone, the issue is, well, government support of Airbus, which should surprise no one. Airbus is a primary competitor to Boeing. The world needs a competitor to Boeing. They build a good product, and the government of France and England has given them some loans that have been forgiven, specifically to generate the 380, which turned out to be kind of a bust. But the point is, if you compare it to Boeing, Boeing's government supports go back to 1940. We even built the Grand Coulee Dam to generate electricity so Boeing could process their own aluminum. It happens. Aircraft are a huge national asset, and the manufacture of them is a big deal. It's not cars. It's airplanes. So the World Trade Organization, relatively new, decided it was okay that the U.S. put tariffs on Airbus for a while. Well, anyway, it's not politically motivated. It really is numbers. Finally, when you look down and some of you have had good numbers in your emerging market funds and some international funds and, yay, aren't they secretly doing really well? For those academically oriented, this is the reason they're doing well. There's the trade-weighted dollar as it's continuing to creep up. When your currency is stronger, it will always buy more of another currency. So the return on an asset in that other currency is automatically doing better. So it's the dollar continuing to get stronger. One of the reasons that the Federal Reserve is going to lower rates is to try and weaken the dollar, and it hasn't worked yet. It's okay. There's no drama. More later. As usual, if you have any questions, send them along to info at shwj.com. I'm happy to deal with them. Thanks for joining me.